You're listening to a podcast by Abide Church and Pastor Dan DeBell in Tulsa, Oklahoma. We pray this podcast helps you live, love, and look more like Jesus this week. Enjoy the message. There's nothing better than being in the presence of the Lord with a group of believers. <laughs> if I haven't had a chance to meet you yet, my name is Dan DeBell. I'm the lead pastor here at Abide Church. And uh, man, I'm so honored that you would be with us today on this uh, windy, very windy fall morning. Man, thank you for being here though. Uh, today, we're going to be concluding a series that we've been in. We've been, we've been in a series called Stand, and we've been talking about how do we stand in a culture that bows, or another way to say it is this, how do we stand in a culture that demands that we bow. I don't know if you want to look around at all, at, uh, turn on the news, look on Facebook, turn, look anywhere. Uh, and if you... Uh, somehow disagree with what culture says is okay, culture wants to come in and cancel you, come after you, you know, block you, whatever. They want to tear you down and tear your life apart. But we have an important job, and that is to stand with God's word, not stand with culture. Amen? There's a lot of things in culture that are totally contradictory to God's word, but our job is to stand in boldness to God's word and in agreement with God's word so that God's will can truly be done here on earth as it is in heaven, which is what Jesus said how we should pray. And so that's our heart's desire is this. We have to have some boldness and some confidence to stand whenever culture comes in and tries to tell our kids that one thing is right when it's obviously not right or tries to tell us that one thing is right when it's not right according to God's word. And so this has been an important series. One of the things we've been talking about, we've been looking through the book of Daniel. We've talked about Daniel in the lion's den. We've talked about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And we've talked about this, how when you choose to stand, you are a threat to our spiritual enemy. And uh, I can tell you this, this past series has been a battle for me um, outside of church. It's been a battle for me. The enemy has come after me with all kinds of stuff. And, uh, but can I tell you what? I'm standing today and I'm going to be standing tomorrow. Amen. Come on, somebody. He may come and no weapon formed against me will prosper. It doesn't mean the weapon won't be formed. It means it can't prosper against me, somebody. So here's what we're going to do today. As we wrap up this series, um, uh, we are going to be talking about the footwear to stand. How many, how many of you know that footwear, what you put on your feet is important, right? Uh, not just for stylish reasons, okay? Come on, somebody. But for practical reasons, right? Anybody in here work on your feet like all day? You know what I'm talking about, right? If you don't have the right shoes, the right work boots, the, the right whatever, the right, you know, stuff padding in your shoes, like it's a bad, it's a bad deal. A, a few years ago, I was working on this project where I was uh, helping do some construction cleanup, and I was working in this house, and all the floors were, were concrete, and, uh, you know, I hadn't really worked on concrete on my feet for that long uh, for, for a couple years before that. And, man, I spent days, almost a full week, on this concrete on my feet. And, uh, shoot, I was in my 20s, but by the end of the week, my knees and my hips and my back, I was like, what is going on here? Well, it's because I had the wrong, the wrong footwear. I had the wrong work boots. I wasn't prepared to stand on uh, the concrete for, t- you know, 8 to 10 hours a day and do physical labor. I wasn't prepared with my feet. Our feet are the foundation on which we stand. The other thing I'll say is this. Anybody in here play uh, football like when they had the old school, like when turf was just coming out and it wasn't, it was basically like concrete carpet. Anybody play on that kind of turf before? Okay, a few of you. Okay, or yeah, cheerleaders, maybe, maybe you cheered on that. Uh, it was the weirdest thing because you would go from, you would go from uh, grass and having to have cleats and then you would have to go almost wear tennis shoes on this new AstroTurf uh, that was brand new. And man, if you got tackled, it was basically concrete, but it was important to have. You couldn't wear cleats 
on the AstroTurf, you had to have the right footwear. Footwear is important no matter what you're doing uh, if you're on your feet all day. And in fact, Scripture has a lot to say about what we put on our feet, believe it or not. Here we're going to look at it. This is our key verse for today. It's Ephesians 6, uh, starting in verse 10. This is, we're going to be talking about the armor of God, but only one specific part. And so let me read this. We'll read it together and kind of break it down. It's this. Finally, uh, Paul writes this. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil or the wiles or the tricks, the schemes of the devil is what he's saying. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this, this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. A few weeks ago, we talked about those four key things. We talked about spiritual warfare. And if you missed that, I would encourage you to go back on our podcast or YouTube and and watch that message. And then verse 13, he picks it up here. He says this, Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand, therefore, a lot of standing going on here, right? Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness. And then in verse 15, it says, having shod, shod, what, a, what an interesting word, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about the shoes of peace. How we can have shoes of peace where everywhere we walk, we can have peace. Here's what we need to understand about this, though. Paul is writing this, and he's writing about the armor of God in comparison to the Roman soldier's armor. So this isn't just uh, an armor that he's making up, but he's actually comparing it because he would know who he's writing this to. They would understand what armor he was talking about so that they would have a great visual of what kind of spiritual armor we're putting on. The thing he says, though, is this. This should catch our attention. Shod your feet. An interesting word, right? When I put on my, my boots today, I didn't say, I'm going to shod these things to my feet. I didn't say that, right? But here's what that means. Shod is, is basically to bind them on. What does it mean to shod? To bind them on. So here's what we understand then about the Roman soldier's armor, that these were not, um, they were not loose-fitting and they were not sandals, okay? The Roman soldiers were not walking around in flip-flops, somebody, okay? They weren't walking around on a leisure, okay? They were soldiers, and so they actually had to shod, they had to bind on their footwear. Their footwear was for protecting, the part of it was, the top part is for protecting, but here's what we have to understand, what a lot of people don't know, is they also had spikes on the bottom. They had spikes on the bottom, a lot like cleats for two reasons. Number one, for grip, right? Just like if you're playing sports, it's good to have some cleats on but also for an offensive weapon towards their enemy. I don't want to get too graphic in here, right? But I don't, when, we, when I played football uh, at halftime or in the fourth quarter, if we were winning, it was like, hey, we're going to finish these, God, these, these guys off. Uh, my coaches would say, they didn't mean it literally, okay, but they would say, hey, it's time to step on the jugular, right? And uh, as us, you know, football high school kids were like, yes, yeah, we're going to do it. We're going to crush them, right? We're going to do it. We're going we're gonna to finish the game. Not figuratively, not literally, right? But... Uh, literally for the Roman soldiers, this is what they would do. They would use it as a way. Their shoes were as a way that they could crush and stomp on their enemy. That was part of the spikes. And so here's what we have to understand then. The peace of God, the peace of God, which is, which is freedom from fretfulness, anxiety, turmoil, stress, fear. The peace of God is not achieved by passive means. When we think of peace, we think of passive, right? We think of, 
I'm going to go home and put on my, my house slippies, you know what I mean? My house slippers, and I want to prop them up and, and watch some football, and that's what I think of peace. But the peace of God is not achieved by passive means. The peace of God does not come by me propping my feet up and by me putting on my comfy shoes. That's not what we see in Scripture. The shoes of the Roman soldier were warrior shoes. They were not passive, leisure house slippers. In order for you to have the peace of God in your life, here's what you need to know. There will be a fight. In order for you to have the peace of God in your life, there will be a fight. This is why it's important for people to find the right church to be a part of. Because here's what happens. In America, we are spoiled. Hopefully, you know this. We're spoiled. It can be easy to be so casual about church and casual about just coming and going, but not truly being involved and planted and rooted in the house of the Lord, which biblically we're supposed to be. It can be so easy to just come to church. And a lot of people, I think we've created a, in the capital C church, in the church in America at least, we've created a, a um, misconception that the church is a cruise ship. Right? Like, we're going to come and, like, I'm going to go on vacation and, like, when I'm a part of this church, it's going to be easy and life's going to be perfect and the devil's never going to touch me and I'm not going to have any sickness and I'm not going to face any issues because I'm on vacation, y'all. But here's what Scripture says. The church is not a cruise ship. The church is a battleship and we are preparing for war. The church is not a cruise ship. It is a battleship and we are preparing for spiritual war because there are two kingdoms that are right now at war with one another. Whether we realize it or not, they are at war with one another and we have a part to play. And this is why Paul says, you and me suit up. You need to put on your armor. You need to put on your armor so that you can be prepared for what? For battle, not for vacation, for battle. If I need the peace of God in my life, it is gonna come through some spiritually violent action. And that's what I want to talk about today. Here's the promise from God. Point number one, if you're taking notes, is this. The peace of God is a prevailing and it is a conquering peace. This should be so encouraging to us. It is a prevailing and it's a conquering peace. The peace of God is not a passive thing that randomly falls into our lap. I think that's what we hope happens sometimes. Like I'm just going to be sitting there and then just the peace of God just falls right into my lap and say, oh man, now, the peace of God will, will consume, he'll come in and he'll meet you in your room. How, yes, you know, you will, you will sense the peace of God, yes. But it doesn't just randomly happen. It doesn't just randomly fall. Here's what, here's what we see in Scripture. Look at Matthew 5, 9. This is the words of Jesus. Jesus says, God blesses those who work for peace, for they will be called the children of God. God blesses those who work for peace. The New King James says, God, uh, blessed are the peacemakers. The peacemakers, the ones that go out, and, and Jesus is talking about fighters, right? They find a solution for peace, and then they enforce it. This is what Jesus is talking about. They find the solution, and they enforce it. And this is why, let me be real, let me pastor you for a second today. This is why passive people rarely have peace. They rarely have it. And if, you're, if you find yourself to be more of a passive person, here's the thing. I'm not saying you need to start lashing out at people or anything like that, right? Be more aggressive. That's not necessarily what I'm saying. I'm saying in the spiritual realm, we can't afford to be passive. In the spiritual realm, I can't afford to be okay when the attacks of the enemy come at me. Because God's word says that the righteous 
are as bold as a lion. Right? Not as calm as a kitty cat. As bold as a lion. And guess what? As a lion, i got to get offensive every now and then if I want some peace, if I need peace in my life. And I would just say a practical example is this. If you show me, show me a passive husband who never confronts issues, who never leans into a problem to solve it, I will show you a family that is full of turmoil, confusion, and fear. we got a job to do. When the enemy comes knocking, I have to respond in the appropriate way scripturally and say, I'm going to work for my peace. I'm going to fight for my peace. I'm not just going to open the door and let the enemy come in and do whatever he wants in my life, come in and and cause destruction and chaos and confusion. Not in my life, not in my, my family's life, not in my kid's life. I refuse to let it happen. We have to be prepared to go to battle for peace. Amen? If not... I will rarely experience the peace of God. Let me show you. Let me show you. In, in Philippians 4, 7, it says this, then you will experience God's peace, God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. What I love about this is this, guards. It will guard your heart and your mind. What is guard? It's an action. It's not a passive thing. It's an action. Here's what, here's what he's showing us is that God has spiritual bodyguards that he wants to set in place in your life that will keep and guard your heart and your mind from the enemy infiltrating and taking over your life. This is what we're talking about here. He has spiritual bodyguards. What do bodyguards do? Bodyguards, they protect people of authority, right? They protect people of authority. You look at uh, our president, anywhere he goes, bodyguards, right? Look at our governor, anywhere he goes, bodyguards. Uh, but think of, uh, think of the janitor down at the Capitol. Does he have a bodyguard? No, <laughs> not so much, right? Look at even our college football coaches, bodyguards. People of authority, people who have this type of uh, authority or influence. And let me tell you this, spiritually, if you call yourself a believer, and if you are a believer, you are a person of authority. So you have a right to bodyguards, to spiritual bodyguards in your life. You are not fighting alone. This is not just your battle. You're not isolated. Don't let the enemy try to isolate you. You have a right with your spiritual authority, because you have spiritual authority, you have a right to these bodyguards. So what are God's bodyguards? Here's the answer. God's promises and his truths are spiritual soldiers, spiritual bodyguards that keep me at rest. God's promises and his truths are spiritual bodyguards that keep me at rest. So here's what I have to do. When I think, when I meditate, and when I dwell, and when I speak God's word and his promises, it's like spiritual soldiers are coming in and driving out fearful, anxious thoughts. That's what happens. When I start to meditate on God's word, when I start to speak God's word, when I start to worship and praise him and worship in God's word, I'm inviting these spiritual bodyguards to come in and to guard my heart and my mind to keep me in peace. But what happens first? I got to do my part. I have to humble myself, know God's word, get in God's word, think on God's word, chew on it, meditate on it, and when I do that, then the bodyguards can go to work. But if I don't, I'm not setting up my bodyguards for success. If I don't know God's word, how then do I know what to speak? How then do I know what to think? 
How then I know, do I know what to dwell on or to meditate on? I've given my bodyguards no weapons. And I can't even expect them to come in and to do scripturally what they should be doing. So here's the thing. God's peace is not a passive thing. It's an action thing. It's an offensive thing. But here's what I'm going to shine the light on today is this. Point number two is this. Our enemy attacks our minds. It's the first place he's going to knock. First place he's going to come to. Our enemy attacks our minds with spiritual warfare. That's the first place he will come. And I'm going to show you a few scriptures on why it's important for us to take, take note of what is coming into our minds. In 2 Corinthians 10, 3-5, it says this, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. There it is again, war. We are at war. We have a job to do. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Look at this. Bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Bringing every thought, not some thoughts, not a few thoughts, not just the really, really bad thoughts, every thought into captivity. So as I'm going through my day, am I taking note of what I'm thinking on? Am I even aware of what I'm dwelling on? If I'm not, I'm allowing potentially the enemy's thoughts to come into my mind, which is the first open door for him to work then in my life. Because if I think it long enough, it will become a stronghold in my life. And if I think it long enough, I will, let, I will then begin to speak it into my life. And if I speak it into my life, I will then allow it to get into my heart. And if it gets into my heart, it will then become my identity and my reality. But here's the first step. My mind. Every thought captive. I talked about this, I think, earlier in the series. But this, trans, this is literally translated in the original language as to take captive with a spear to the back. That's the, 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 how it really could be translated in the original language is to take captive with a spear to its back. And here's what's amazing is we know that the Roman soldiers also carried a spear. Paul doesn't necessarily write it out specifically in the armor of God, but he would have, at the very end, he hints towards it. And in fact, I would include it in our, in our armor of God, how the, the spear is the spear of prayer. And so how do I take every thought captive with the, with the spear to the back? It's through prayer. Whenever enemy thoughts come into my mind. I take it captive immediately with a spear, with prayer. No, enemy, you can't, I can't think those thoughts. I don't think those thoughts. I have the mind of Christ. I think clear thoughts. I am healed in Jesus' name. By Jesus' stripes, I was healed. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. I can start going to work. And by doing that, I'm, I'm swapping out and I'm taking these, these enemy thoughts and I'm capturing them with a spear to the back and it's like I'm sitting them down and guess what? I am teaching them to obey Christ. I will capture you and I will teach you to obey Christ. But I think too many times we are okay with the thought life that we have. We're okay with so much negativity up here that we don't ever address it. And we wonder why it becomes our reality. When God's word is always saying, go do something about it. God's saying, I've equipped you to attack it. I've equipped you to get rid of it. I've equipped you to take every thought captive so that you can have freedom mentally. But go do something. Go do something. Here's another one. Isaiah 26.3 says this. It says, you will keep him, that's speaking of us, in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Whose mind randomly thinks about him, God, 
throughout the day, whose mind uh, thinks about God when I look at the verse of the day on my Bible app for five minutes, <laughs> right? Who's, who's, uh, whose mind is thinking about God, you know, when I uh, feel sick, but I haven't thought about him for weeks? No. No. If I need peace, perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on him, am I consumed thinking, as the word says, think about the things above, which are holy, which are pure, which are lovely. Am I consumed with those types of thoughts or am I okay with cultural, worldly thoughts? Here's why this is important. Peace is a fruit of the Spirit. So many times we try to get peace elsewhere, but any other form of peace is counterfeit if I'm not abiding in Christ. I can only produce and have the fruit of the Spirit if I am abiding in the Spirit. That's what Jesus said. I just read that this morning in my quiet time. You'll know a tree by its fruit. So if I am producing peace in my life, it's because I am staying connected to the root, to, to Jesus, so I can be a proper branch to produce fruit. That's what it comes down to. So here's what happens. Many times, when I fight for my peace and I hang on to my peace, I am fighting from faith. Bear with me here for a second. When I am fighting for my peace and hanging on to my peace, I am fighting from faith. But when I choose to forfeit my peace, I am fighting from fear. If I allow in the battle, if I allow my peace to be released and I accept whatever the negative thing that's coming against me is, whatever the attack is coming against me, if I accept it, I've, I've chosen to accept the fearful thoughts. I've chosen to accept the thoughts of the enemy. And now my motivation to pray is fear. Think about this. Think, take, just take inventory of this last week. Your prayer life, what you prayed for, was your motivation to pray faith or was your motivation to pray fear? Can I tell you, I've been in times in my life where my only motivation to pray, the only time I did pray was because I was afraid of what might happen. That's why I prayed. And now it's the only time I prayed. God, keep me, you know, keep, don't let that bad thing happen to me. Keep me safe. Uh, God, I need your help with this. God, this, is really, this situation looks really bad. And I'm only praying from fear. Rather than, God, I know this situation looks impossible. I know this situation looks awful. However, your word promises that I can have perfect peace. Your word promises that I can have perfect peace if my mind is stayed on you. Your word promises in Psalm 91 that I won't even dash my foot against a stone because you'll send your angels to come and to guard me. You said I would have a long life and that's what I speak and I declare right now over this situation. The situation is not the truth. Your word is the truth. Do you see the difference? I can be afraid and, and, and expect God to answer my prayer but I'm only praying from fear. When God says, hey, when you know me, you're going to have some peace, and that peace comes from knowing his word and knowing his promises. What's my motivation to pray, faith or fear? This is why God gives us bodyguards to guard our hearts and our minds. If I let go of my peace, I'm laying down my authority. If I choose to live in turmoil, if I choose to live in this anxious space and just, I'm not saying you're not in a battle for it. I'm saying when I choose to just be okay with it. This is how it's going to be forever. I'm laying down my authority then to do anything about it. And that's not the heart of God. 
Look at Romans 12 too. It says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove it is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Here's what a, people don't, a lot of people don't understand. A lot of Christians don't understand this. So hear, this, hear me on this. Our spirit was made brand new at the moment of salvation. Your spirit on the inside, the real you that will live forever for eternity, it was made brand new at the moment of salvation. We, most people understand that. Most people know that, kind of have a general understanding of that. But here's what we have to understand. Our minds must be renewed made new again on a daily basis. That's not a once a week thing. I made to church this week. I'm good. I'm going to think pure thoughts all week long. That's not how it works. He says, renew your mind. That means make it new again and again and again and again. I must renew my mind on a daily basis. God puts salvation into my heart, into my spirit. But hear me on this. It's up to me to put my salvation into my head. Can I say that again? God put salvation into your heart, but it's up to me to put salvation and kingdom-minded, mind of Christ thoughts into my head. That's my job. God's given me the ability to do it. Scripture says he's given me the want to to do it, but now I got to put some feet to my faith and say, guess what? I'm going to do something about it. And devil, as scripture says, I'm going to take every thought captive. As soon as I wake up, as soon as I get up, I will take note of what thoughts are coming into my mind. I will take every thought captive and I will go to work on behalf of the kingdom. The next point is this. Victory comes from speaking God's word. If you need victory and if you need peace in your life, victory comes from speaking God's word. I think in in today's culture we've gotten okay and we've been so comfortable with, with words not meaning anything. Like you can just kind of say whatever you want and there and there's, seems to be not a very great, you know, um, let me put it this way. <laughs> people can insult you. People can talk about you badly. People can say things behind your back. And then if you ever confront them about it, they can say, well, I didn't really, I said that, but I didn't really mean it. And you're supposed to forgive, right? Sticks and stones, they won't hurt me or they hurt me, but words will never hurt me, right? What, we, we've taken so much emphasis off of our words. But everything in God's word says for us to put our emphasis back on the word, back on what's coming out of my mouth. Jesus said out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And if I'm speaking garbage throughout my week, I got a heart issue. Jesus said we'll take account for every idle word that we speak at the end of the age. Must be pretty important what I'm allowing coming out of this thing, huh? Must be pretty important. I use this verse all the time because this is the simplest truth ever. Proverbs 18, 21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those that love it will eat its fruit. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. If I need life in my life, it's going to start right here. Well, Pastor Dan, you're living in denial. No, I'm not. Because I speak the opposite of a situation does not mean I'm living in denial. Don't, don't fall for that garbage, okay? That's a lie from the enemy. It doesn't mean I'm living in denial. It just means that I am choosing to believe this and speak this over the, my situation. I'm choosing to believe spiritual reality over physical reality until my spiritual reality becomes my physical reality. Does that make sense? 
So here's what happens. We see the physical, and the physical is so real to us, and we're, we're, we're in this earth suit called a body, and so this seems like reality. But this reality was created by the supernatural, the spiritual. So which one's more real? The spiritual. We better be in touch with the spiritual side of things because it is, it is what created this world. And this world is passing away, but God's word will never pass away. Guess what? Your spirit will never pass away. You may die here, but you're going somewhere at the end of this. So, so guess what? I have to realize then, based on what I see, I will not settle for some false reality here. I'm not denying that it's here. I'm not denying that this podium is here. But I am saying, I'm not denying that a sickness is trying to come against me or that I've been diagnosed with this or I have this issue. I'm not denying it. But I'm choosing to say, I believe this more because this is spiritual truth. I choose to believe this and speak this more than I see this. I've got to tap into my spiritual senses and not just always rely on my physical senses to tell me what truth is. If I do... I'll be deceived every time. Let me show you an encouraging verse from Isaiah 55. A few verses here. Isaiah 55, 10. This is the new living, so it might sound a little different if if you've heard this verse before. It says, The rain and the snow come down from the heavens, and they stay on the ground to water the earth. They cause the grain to grow, producing seed for the farmer and bread for the hungry. Let me go to the next verse. Bear with me here. Here's where it gets good. Verse 11. It is the same with my word. This is God. This is God speaking of his word, his truth. It is the same with my word. I send it out, says the Lord, and it always produces fruit. Somebody say always. Come on. Always. Sometimes? No. Maybe times? No. I don't know times? No. It always produces fruit. Look, I mean, man, this is so good. It will accomplish all I want it to, says the Lord. And it will prosper everywhere I send it. Come on, that's good. I mean, I don't know about you, but that gets me fired up. Everywhere. Some, Some places that I send it? No, everywhere. Look at what he says. He says, you will live in joy and peace. The mountains and the hills will burst into song and the trees of the field will clap their hands. Let me just, I'm going to read it without interrupting this time, okay? So you can really soak it in. God says, it is the same with my word. I send it out and it always produces fruit. It will accomplish all I want it to and it will prosper everywhere I send it. Come on, somebody. That should get us fired up. Because guess what? That means that this, in the New King James, it says that God's word cannot, cannot and will not return void to him. It cannot. Either we believe this or we don't. And that's, where the, that's truly where the rubber meets the road here. In your life, either you will choose to believe this or you won't. I don't know about you, but I choose to believe this. That when I speak his word, that I am operating under his authority in such a way that his word will produce all that he wants it to produce. It will produce fruit always, everywhere, in every part of my life. And because of that, I will have joy and I will have peace. God's word, it will not and it cannot return void to him. And here's a spiritual truth that you need to understand. Let me put some confidence in you today. Write this down if you're a note taker. God's word in your mouth is just as powerful as God's word 
in his mouth. God's word in your mouth is just as powerful as God's word in his mouth. Now hear my heart behind saying that. Am I saying that we are God? Absolutely not. Am I exalting us? Absolutely not. But according to scripture and through the power of the Holy Spirit, his word says, and Jesus said as well, that we will go and he will send us to do the works he has done and even greater works, that we will be able to go and to raise the dead, to cleanse the leper, to heal the sick, to disciple people, to introduce them to Jesus, that we will be able to go. And guess what? As you stand and as you go for the kingdom of God, there will be opposition. And when there is opposition, God has said, I'm not abandoning you, that the enemy would come and crush you when I have sent you. He says, when I send, God says, when I send my people to go, I equip them for everything that they will face. I equip them for every battle. I equip them for everything. That's why we have spiritual gifts. That's why we have a prayer language. That's why we have these things in place. Why? So that I'll go out and just, uh, man, I'm trying. I'm just trying my best to please God and hopefully I can do good and hopefully he'll tell me good. Hey, welcome, good and faithful servant. Well done. At the end of the age. No, I'm going out with confidence. Why? Because I have the most powerful weapon in the universe right here. And if I will choose to speak it in agreement with his word, in context, God can use it for a miraculous and powerful way. But I have to know what to speak. I have to know what is coming out of my mouth. I have to have some confidence when I speak it, not just speak it, fingers crossed, God, you know, Lord willing, it will happen. He said, this is my will. It's my word. Speak it. And when you speak, I speak. When you speak, it goes out and it always produces fruit. Always. Let me address something in the room. You may be in here and you say, Pastor Dan, I've prayed for a lot of things. And maybe you'd say, I've prayed and I haven't seen it produce fruit. Let me say this. Me too. Have there been, does this mean Pastor Dan's prayer life has been perfect and everything I, I pray for happens right away? No. I've faced heartache. I've faced loss of loved ones. But let me tell you this. When I see Jesus face to face, face, to face someday, I don't have all the answers here. I do have the mind of Christ, and I know the one who has all the answers, but I may not have every answer for you here. But I would rather, when I see Jesus someday, I would rather see him and him look at me and say, wow, you really believed everything I put in that book, huh? (laughs) You really went out there and went after it. Yes, sir, I did. Rather than, I see Jesus face to face and he says, son, I had so much more for you if you just would have had the faith to trust me and to use what I had given you. And so I'm not up here to tell you I've never faced heartache. Hear me. I'm vulnerable. I got a target on my back because the enemy hates, can I tell you, the enemy hates this series that we're in. Golly, he hates it. But I love it. Come on, man. We can exchange blows all day. And I will tell you this, I will continue to speak his word 
with confidence and trust every single thing in here. And I expect it to do what his word says. Every time I pray, I don't base my faith on my life experience of what happened or didn't happen in the past when I prayed. Even if it's the same situation, I base my faith off of what he said would happen if I prayed in agreement with his word. My faith is not in my life experience and in his word and his word alone. Oh, let me get back on track. I must bring in the spiritual soldiers and let them go to work by speaking. That's how I bring them in. That's how I, I let them come in. As soon as I, as I think negative or fearful thoughts, I remind myself of the promises of God and I speak the peace of God. And, and those soldiers come and they guard my heart and my mind. I must speak it. And can I tell you this? When you're in the battle, and I believe many of you have been in this before, when you're in the battle, sometimes peace only comes when you're speaking God's word. Can I tell you this past week, I've faced some stuff, okay? Enemies come at me. I've faced some stuff. I'm not going to get all the details today, but I had peace for only the amount of time that I was speaking God's word. And as soon as I stopped speaking, the enemy came right back with negative thoughts. The enemy came right back with symptoms. The enemy came right back with whatever attack he's coming against you. That's how it works sometimes when you're in the heat of the battle. I only have peace as long as I'm speaking. And can I tell you, this is why you got to know God's word, because you got to know what to speak. And you got to can't run out of things to speak. And guess what? Even if you do run out of things to speak, God's word says that he's given you a Holy Spirit prayer language that can give you the words to speak, and the Holy Spirit can go to work on your behalf, taking our ineffective prayers and making them effective. So guess what? When I run out of natural words, I have a heavenly language that I can begin to speak and go to battle during it. But sometimes I only have peace as long as I'm speaking. It's because I'm exchanging punches with the enemy. Anybody seen the Rocky movies, right? Every, every Rocky movie, basically, right? There's that point where they're just like, somehow they're just drilling each other in the face and it's just like one shot after the next. Sometimes that's happening in the spiritual. We have to understand that. If you don't understand that, you'll think, I can punch once and I'm not gonna get punched back. Sometimes, I like to say like this, sometimes what you're praying for and believing God for is a pretty big tree that you're trying to chop down. And sometimes it takes more than one swing of that ax to knock the tree down. Sometimes it takes months Sometimes it takes years, but it does, it, does it mean that I stop chopping because the tree didn't fall in the first hit? No, I wouldn't do that in the natural. I won't do it in the, the supernatural either. I'm going to keep chopping until that tree falls, until I get what I'm believing God for. The peace of God doesn't just fall on us mysteriously. He says, shod your feet with the gospel of peace, meaning this, go to war for your peace. Go to war for your peace. And here's the last thing. I'm going to conclude with this. Jesus is the prince of peace. <laughs> based on everything we just talked about, imagine this. This is the most important part of the message, okay? So hear this. Hear these next two minutes. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. Here's what we have to understand about that. It does not mean, <laughs> it does not mean Jesus is a passive or sissy leader. In fact, it means the, the direct opposite. He is no passive leader. He is no sissy leader. He is no weakling of a leader. My pastor growing up, Pastor Willie George, he said this quote one time, and I, I, I have to quote him on it because it's just so good. Look at this right here. Christ's death may have appeared to men as an act of passive submission, but it was, in fact, the most violent act of conquest ever demonstrated on planet Earth. Come on. Come on. Let me say it again. Christ's death may have appeared to men as an act of passive submission, 
What kind of God would allow some men to do that to him? Oh, you don't understand it. You're missing it. It was, in fact, the most violent act of conquest ever demonstrated on this planet, ever. Here's why. Because when Jesus went to the cross, he was crushing the head of Satan. And what was he doing? He was fulfilling a prophecy from Genesis 3. Meaning this, when Jesus went to the cross, he was, he was shodding his feet with the, the shoes of peace that we're talking about today. And then when he died, he went to work in the offensive, crushing the head of the enemy from Genesis 3. And here it is. Yeah, you can clap for that if you want. That's good. Genesis 3.15. He says this, I will put enmity between you and the woman. This is between Satan and the woman. Okay? Genesis 3.15. He says, in between your seed and her seed, her seed, capital S, that's Jesus, okay? And he, Jesus, shall crush, he shall bruise or crush, is another way to translate it, your head, and you shall bruise his heel. <laughs> this is what Jesus did when he died on the cross. He shod his feet with the, with the peace of the gospel not to say, well, I got my house slippers on. My work's done. No. He said, oh, my work's just beginning. He said, I'm going now to deal with the enemy and to get the keys back to the kingdom of God. Adam may have given it away, but he said, I'm going to come back and I'm going to take him back. And while I'm down there, just like our, <laughs> just like our coaches told some football, I'm going to step on that guy's jugular. I'll tell you that much. I'm going to crush his head, not just with my house slippers on, with my battle shoes on and this is why when Christ died it was the most violent act of conquest ever because he went and he settled the debt forever saying devil you're done and now my followers I will equip them to do what I just did to you they're going to do it to you time and time and time again until we meet again until I deal with you for eternity this is the picture of Jesus with the shoes of peace on crushing the devil's head in victory. He did this when he shed his blood on the cross and he was raised from the dead, defeating death and darkness forever and handing you and me the same power at the same time. He said, believe in me and these works you will do. These signs will follow those that believe. Now we can have the peace of God in every area of our lives. It does not come passively. Now the peace of God comes with a fight. But guess what? I'm not fighting from fear. I'm fighting from faith. I'm fighting from victory. Jesus already crushed his head. Now I just have to keep reminding him of it. That's my job. Shod your feet. Let me remind you of what we said today. The peace of God is a prevailing and it is a conquering peace. It's an active thing, not a passive thing. The enemy will attack your mind. Guard it. But we can release our spiritual bodyguards to defeat the devil when we speak God's word. Life and death, right here. Speak God's word. This week, go out and stomp on your enemy. Shod your feet with the gospel of peace. Crush him. Peace is yours, and it can be yours today. Amen? Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, we love you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your promises that are yes and amen. Thank you for your peace. Jesus, thank you. You are the Prince of Peace. You have conquered our enemy. You have given us the keys now to the kingdom to steward it well. And God, that's our job. We, will, we do not take it lightly, but Lord, we are fired up and ready to go to war. This is no time to be on the cruise ship. We're on a battleship and we're ready to go. Enemy, and we rebuke you. 
in the name of Jesus. Any spirit that's trying to come against our church family right now as individuals, I bind you and I tell you to leave right now in Jesus' name. You have no place to be here. Freedom in Jesus' name. Freedom in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to the Abide Church podcast. If you'd like to partner with us financially, or if you're in the Tulsa area and would like to attend our weekly gathering, you can check out AbideChurch.com.